0: joining me as columnist author the virtue of color blindness america should be blind to racial distinctions andre archie is going to talk with me about the virtue of color blindness and the fact that one side of the aisle says the other side is racist while they continue to make divisions and identify everybody by color and the little box they should be in hi andre
1: hi thanks for having me Fawn. i appreciate it
0: yeah thanks for being here where's your book available
1: so you can get it uh, started at Amazon, but you can get it there. You can get it at Target, uh, Barnes & Noble. It'll be ready for you to pick up on uh, the second it publishes on the second, but you can pre-order it now, basically anywhere.
0: Okay. I think everyone should get it and read it. Um, you are, by definition, black, but you are just a human being like everybody else. So, you know, in my family, I, I don't say, excuse me. Puerto Rican child, excuse me, white child, excuse me, black child, excuse me, Indian child. I don't do that. I call them by their name because they're my grandchildren. We don't don't really care which box they fit in. But it seems like in America, every time you can fit into a niche of some kind, they want to put you in it and then tell everybody who doesn't identify you as being on a pedestal that you somehow are phobic of something or you're racist. And I think it's ridiculous.
1: Oh, exactly. And I mean... My book treats that exact issue. We 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 pay lip service to the idea that we judge, we should judge people based upon their character as opposed to their skin color. But we have victims, victims, and victimizers. Right? We have victims are people of color, African Americans in particular, and we have victimizers, typically white people. And so the idea that we should judge people according to their character—it's been marginalized right? Yeah. It's been marginalized. And so what we do now is exactly what you said. We, we check boxes, and we've forgotten about that history in which the civil rights movement was grounded in, the fact that liberty and agency derives from our God-given talents. And until we prove otherwise, we, sh- we should judge each other by our individuality as much as we can. But when you think about what's happening in Evanston, Illinois, I don't know if you you read about this case, but they're 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 separating the the, the students there according to their color, right? Their, yeah. their ethnic identity, and and that the, the teacher has to be the color of the students. And so I'm surprised we don't hear more about this. But this is sliding back. This is taking us back to Plessy versus Ferguson, right? Separate but equal. Mm-hmm. And so my book is 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 designed to address that issue by first looking at the western philosophical tradition and this idea of character and how it influenced Frederick Douglass in particular and then by extension MLK Martin Luther King Jr and the civil rights movement. And so I really hope that when people read the book they'll see that we've we we've moved so far away from that tradition that it's become dangerous and pernicious.
0: Well, and it's gotten to the point where people are being victimized for no reason, just for being a certain color. And that used to be called racism, but now racism is just being white. So, you know, we, we, we fought this whole thing, trying to get a, the Constitution changed for full recognition of everybody. A whole war was fought to make sure, well, partially, that everybody would be equal, and now we've got these people who think they're virtuous – because they are putting people who do fit in the box on a pedestal, giving them jobs that they are not qualified for above other people who would be qualified, and acting like if we don't agree with that, then we're racist.
1: That's right. I mean, just look at Harvard. I mean, look look what just happened. I mean, it's absurd. In fact, I have a daughter who is a junior. She's going to be going to college soon. So we've looked at a bunch of institutions.
0: Don't go to Harvard. So there's
1: one... Don't go to Harvard. But there's one. But there's a liberal arts school here locally in Colorado. Uh, it's a very good liberal arts school. The first thing that they tell us on the tour is that they're an anti-racist institution. Now, a lot of people think that anti-racism sounds innocuous. Uh, of course, we want to fight racism. But they don't realize that's attached to a person by the name of Ibram X. Kendi. This idea of anti-racism is just the opposite. It promotes division. It promotes racism, and it's predicated on the idea that America, Western civilization, is systemically racist. And so when they told us this at this college, it was just mind-boggling. They're going to couple their their institution, hundreds of years of of academic excellence, they're going to couple that with anti-racism. And so I want people to read the book, The Virtue of Colorblindness, to see that, in fact, These ideologies are not innocuous. They're not designed to fight racism. They're designed to divide us, to check the boxes, as you said. Mm -hmm. And so I I just want people to become aware of that fact, aware of the tradition in which we should be so proud of, in which agency, character is key. And that's going to chart our path forward as a country. I mean, we can't go back.
0: I wish we could, because this all just popped up about eight years ago. It was the weirdest thing. It came out of nowhere. I guess they've virtually been working on it for a long time, introducing tidbits of CRT into classrooms without us understanding what they were actually building upon. But this really has emerged into American politics in such a way that we will not punish people who are literally not... Shaming people who want to hurt Jewish people just because they're Jewish. I mean, that's right. Where are we at?
1: No, that's right. And and I mean, it, it's been around longer than eight years. I mean, it it really got supercharged with the death of George Floyd. But these yeah. ideologies—they were in academia for for many for many generations, really, since the eighties. Uh, you have Derek Bell, uh, the, the grandfather, the father of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. But it's really with the death. of of George Floyd that you see the flourishing of these ideologies sort of breaking out of the walls of academia, entering into the mainstream. And a lot of Americans just don't realize how pernicious these ideologies are. And so of course, if you think America is systemically racist in Western civilization and it's all about privilege and white people are privileged, it was, I mean, it was a matter of time before Jewish Americans were targeted. And so, and so we're seeing that exactly. I mean, that's always been a part of the ideology of CRT and diversity, equity, inclusion. It's about privilege, and it's about victims. And you have a certain group of people who are, are privileged. And so that's why it, it's so hard for presidents at these universities and students to condemn what happened uh, to uh, the, the Israelis. So it, 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 it's important that we understand what we're up against, because they're quite powerful. And I think they're getting a bit more powerful unless we can speak up.
0: Well, I hate to admit this, but I've been digging for about 48 years and I still can't find that silver spoon in my butt. I cannot find it. (laughs) I don't know where it went. It must have fell out somewhere and I just didn't get that lifestyle. I don't know where it happened. But the ideology that comes along with the fact that you're privileged because you're white, they say, doesn't come down to money or anything else. It's that you'll get hired better. Your your name won't set people off. My name is Fawn. People who don't know who I am, they think I'm black to begin with. Because of my name. Uh So, you know, I I understand that there are some aspects of racism that are alive and well when it comes to America. We're not going to lie and say it doesn't exist because it does. But when it comes to individual cases, let's take George Floyd. Um, Did Chauvin kill him or did he die of a heart attack, drugs and having his heart blow up? I mean, what did what actually killed him? Nobody wants to know the intricate details. Now, I think Chauvin's a jerk. I think he would have done that to anybody, no matter what color they are, because he is a puke. But I don't think he murdered the guy. I think he should have gone to jail for using way too much force. But I don't think he killed George Floyd. I really don't think he did. And a lot of people are still pretty upset about that on both sides of the aisle.
1: Well, I I just think we're, we're to the point now where we can't even talk about that. Right. We 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 can't talk about it because
0: well we are now. things are so <laughs>
1: well, 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 well things are so divided. I mean, it, it, even the facts get uh, interpreted radically different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't talk about the history of George Floyd, his, his personal history. We can't we can't talk about that. No, and so I think it's difficult to have any sort of conversation about these issues when we have these ideologies in a public square that make it impossible almost.
0: Yeah, and Hollywood's not helping.
1: And Hollywood doesn't help because mm-hmm. they, they, they've they already chosen which side they're on. Yeah. And so I think that if we reacquaint ourselves with this tradition that I talk about in my book, The Virtue of Colorblindness, I think we'll at least have a vocabulary to at least, you know, get to a place where we can talk about these sorts of facts. And in fact, I have a chapter called Comfortable Racism. And mm-hmm. basically, what I argue there is that it... it we have an exhaustion with race, right? So it's sort of a middle-class exhaustion mixed with anti-racism. And so it's as if most people are just throwing up their hands and saying, okay, anti-racism is fine. At least the kids will learn something about our history. But they don't realize how dangerous anti-racism is. And so I want people to, to, to be aware of the fact that there's a, there's a way, there's an alternative. And even with black Americans, there's, there's a lot of black Americans who agree with me. But we have to speak up. Everyone has to speak up and to sort of rediscover this tradition in which the only way we can survive as a diverse country is to be colorblind. And I think perhaps we're going in that direction with the ruling against affirmative action, but we'll see over the next five, ten years if, in fact, that's the case.
0: Well, and you know... With families like mine, and I I say it all the time, we are so mixed with everything that we can't be racist or we would have to hate a family member. And it's confusing to the children who are a little bit of two or three different races as to how they're supposed to... With, where am I supposed to land on this one you know it's it's confusing and then you mix in a box exactly. of homosexuality or something else with that and now they're really confused about where they're supposed to land on this one it's just it's unfair to the
1: kids it's unfair to the kids and we have these affinity groups and, and of course you're right I mean if you're if you're more than one race or ethnicity where, where do you go yep. with, with these affinity groups I mean you know they, they, they alienate certain kids but but the the clever thing about the other side, the fact that is the fact that they get to the young, they, they get to our children when they're young, mm-hmm. and so it's becoming, it's almost becoming natural for a lot of young people to think this way, to think it's natural to belong to affinity groups, and if you're not a part of an affinity group, affinity group what's wrong with you? Yeah. So and, and and this goes back. I mean, when you look at dictators, when you look at even in, in, in ancient philosophy. There's always talk about the educators getting to the young, because if you can get to the young, then it just becomes natural, right? You can shape and so their mind, yeah. shape their minds, and so that's where we have to start in part as parents, as families, as communities, because otherwise, when we send our older kids off to college, they're not going to be grounded in any sort of principles to fight back against this stuff. And so that's what scares me. It scares me a lot that... You know, we have these vulnerable kids going off to college, and they just can't uh, come up with the arguments yeah. to argue, well, to and speak up. I've got
0: two minutes left, and you're a successful black man, so, you know, I, I have a grandson who didn't speak till he was almost five, and, and a kid who is black, my grandson is white, this one happens to be all white. And um, mm-hmm. the kid said to him, you're a little white nerd. And he came home crying and he said, why am I a nerd? I said, next time, just tell him, you know, nerds are the guys who give people jobs when they get older. So don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, but as a successful black man, what, what do you want to say to the younger generations who automatically look at people like me and think that I'm somehow oppressing them, even though I actually love them very much? What, what, do, I, what, do, you, what do we do?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 first of all, I think, again, I, I, think the family's important. I mean, I was taught that, you know, America is, is wide open. Of course, they're racist. There are people who don't like me because of the color of my skin. They're ignorant. They're stupid. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean, you know, if, if you have agency, if you have capability mixed with agency, right, mm-hmm. then you can achieve. But when you start seeing, or, or at least thinking that America is systemically racist, or every white, white person you meet is, Racist, it it hobbles you and to hobble a child is it's it, just, is abusive it's psychological abuse yeah so and so right. I, so I think that 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 me, you, those who have an understanding regarding america's openness and the kind-heartedness of Americans, I think it's up to us to sort of communicate that right, right? because not every not every child will get that in their family, I get that mm-hmm. I get that, but at least you know for those who who think the way that we do in terms of certain principles, et cetera. We, we need to communicate that. We do. And so children, when they come into contact with us, they, 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 they get a sense of there's something else out there. And so that's what I try to promote when I talk to young kids, uh, young people.
0: It's the virtue of colorblindness. Now, I'm not so stupid that if a black man walks in the room, I don't see that he's black. It's the fact that I don't care that makes you colorblind. That's blind. right. All right. That's so, right. I yep. mean, Exactly. Yeah. So, Andre, your book is available on Amazon. Um, it's released by Regnery, but you said they can pre-order. Where do they go for that?
1: They, they can pre-order. You can, the best place is go to Amazon. You can pre-order. Uh, you'll get it uh, fairly quickly, uh, probably around the third if you order it today. It publishes on the second, but Target, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, it's widely available, okay. The Virtue of Colorblindness.
0: Everybody check it out. Thank you, Andre. Andre, I appreciate you, you very much. Bye-bye.